Hello, Jagoons. Today, uh, we're going to start a podcast series. Uh, it's going to be about leadership. The hardest problem our army has to solve and understand rests on the shoulders of our sergeants. They are the direct leadership of the largest component of our army, which is a private to specialist range. This podcast will serve as an expectations, lessons learned, and tips for success for this population of leaders. Take care of your soldiers and their family, because if you do that, your soldiers will take care of you. Soldiers are going to recognize your shortcomings before you ever will. Go compete for Soldier of the Year, NCO of the Year. Go to the boards. Be something that your soldiers want to look up to. They'll go above and beyond based on the respect that they have for you as a person. If the soldier is not willing to come to you to ask you to solve basic human need, which is a toilet, then what else aren't they going to come to you with? We have a full studio today, packed. Of course, we are social distancing, but I will go around and I will start with the right. Let's go in a counterclockwise motion and everybody can introduce themselves. I'm Sergeant First Class Christopher Red, 2nd Platoon, Platoon Sergeant for Quick Strike, Sabre Squadron. I'm Sergeant First Class Neil Damon, Platoon Sergeant, 2nd Platoon, Beast Troop, Regimental Engineer Squadron. I'm Sergeant First Class Gregory Johnson, Phil Artillery Squadron, S1 SUIC. Name is Staff Sergeant Aaron Navelle Noza. I'm a Section Sergeant with S6, 1-2. That is not all you do, though, is it? I am the 7 ATC NCO of the year and the runner-up in the Europe Best Warrior Competition. No big deal. I'm super proud of you. You did phenomenal out there. Oh, and, thank you, uh, Sergeant Major. Um, it was a great representation of the organization. There's three things that I think every leader in the Army should read, okay? And they, or every NCO. Well, quite frankly, leader, officer, NCO, it doesn't matter. First is the TC 7-22.7, AR 600-20. And then the third one, which is not doctrine, and it's called Behind the Colors, and it's by Sergeant Major Retired Scott Schroeder. He used to be the Force Comm Sergeant Major. And the reason I love that book is, uh, well, there's a lot of reasons I love that book, but the biggest reason is, is it goes chronologically through his career. So all the way from being a high school kid to being the Force Comm Sergeant Major. And at every stop of leadership, he basically gives three different focus areas. The reason that I wanted to bring those three up is, one, there are things that I refer to a lot. Being a leader, you know, knowing the left and right limits, you know, and I talk about this sometimes, especially when we're talking about tactics, before you can talk about outside the box, you need to understand what's in the box first. Um, and those are those are some of the kind of core fundamentals. Obviously, you also have the NCO creed, but you need to, those are where you need to kind of base your leadership style on, because quite frankly, it's what the army prescribes as what is that base level leadership. And then from there, you kind of expound upon it. So Sergeant Major Schroeder in his book, he talks about the three focus areas that I kind of want to dive into as far as when we talk about sergeants. Lead, inspect, and train. So when we talk about lead, what do you need your sergeants doing as far as leadership goes, as far as lead goes? What would you tell your sergeants they need to be doing? Readiness throughout the Army starts at the team level or okay. that sergeant level, and that sergeant is directly responsible for the readiness of those soldiers, both in manning, training, and equipment. Not only uh, taking care of their equipment, but knowing how to use it. And okay. developing those soldiers, being a mastery of their skill level and teaching the soldiers hmm. their skill set and being prepared to take the next skill set higher. So then you're a sergeant and you've never been a saw gunner before. How do you train them to be a saw gunner? Well, that, that brings up another good point is knowing when you need help and uh, okay. asking for it. If you need to know how train soldiers to utilize the saw and you've never been on it before, well, that's a problem. You got to solve that problem by asking 
for help or some stuff self-study sorry major okay you got to recognize your blind spots you got to be self-aware and know what you don't know and uh find help so that you can properly develop that soldier okay um i'm definitely gonna say with uh, i'm agree with sergeant reed is for my sergeant i'm gonna go tell him that he needs to focus on the soldiers and training the soldiers okay let me handle the administration portion that is where I am at. If he needs time to train to do sergeant time training, his main goal is to be that sergeant mag expert and to make them sergeant mag experts in their field as well. Okay. Well, granted, this podcast is talking about the sergeants, but I think an important thing that you're talking about right there is the staff sergeants and you know sergeant first classes. You need to tell them what your expectations are. Right. You know, and it comes into this argument of how can you ever hold anybody accountable if you don't tell them what you expect. Because it can be overwhelming. You remember being a sergeant. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh my gosh, I got to know all this stuff. So with that, like you mentioned, being humble, uh, former team leader, not knowing how to work a saw, never been a saw gunner before. You have to be able to listen to your soldiers, right? Because mm-hmm. one of those soldiers could be or was a saw gunner. Just, hey, specialist private so-and-so, school me on this. Mm-hmm. You got to be able to be willing to take that step back. Yes, you have to teach but you have to be also be able to be taught. Absolutely. So what do I need sergeants in 2CR doing? Well, knowing everything that they could possibly know about their soldiers, caring for their soldiers, being involved in their soldiers' lives, sitting down and having the uncomfortable, the tough situations. Right now, you know, everybody that'll listen to it, even probably 20 years from now, will remember 2020. Right. How's COVID affecting you? How's it making you feel? Do you have some anxiety about anything? When you drink, how much do you drink? Do you, you drink till you black out? You know, how often would you say you do that? Um, you know, what's your plans for this weekend? Who are you going out with? Oh, you're going out with Specialist Johnson? No way. No, no, no. You're no, you cannot go out with Specialist Johnson. That is not who you want to be affiliated with. Obviously, you can't tell him no, but hey, you sit down and have this conversation. Hey, have you ever used any kind of illicit drugs? You know, what you know, do you think you're susceptible to that? Have you ever had a suicidal ideation? Do you get depressed? Do you get lonely sometimes? You have to have these conversations. They're not comfortable, they're not always fun. Sometimes you're gonna find out things that you maybe don't even want to, but you have to. This is a human endeavor. These are human beings. You have no idea unless you ask where they come from, the things they're battling, unless you sit down and you have these specific conversations. If I could clear my calendar for the next six months and do nothing but that, I would be so into that. Oh man, it would be amazing to be able to do that. But here's the truth. Even if I did that for six months, I would never talk to every soldier. I need sergeants to do that stuff. That's what I need sergeants to do. So when we talk about the inspect piece, what do we mean when we say inspect? I think the, you know, the natural thing could just be, well, inspecting their gear, inspecting, make sure their kit's set up right and they're ready for whatever kind of training event. But I think it kind of goes a little bit more into that. So inspect could go a long way, not violating their privacy, obviously, mm-hmm. but inspecting their records, ensuring that their room is clean. One thing is you can't expect what you don't inspect mm-hmm. and you can't expect it unless you teach them the standard. Why is it important that, you know, sergeants are going into these rooms and you talk about the violation of privacy? Depends what you're going in there for. Are you going in there because you're trying to bust them doing something wrong? Or are you going in there to see how they're living? I went into a private's room not too long ago, you know, doing just kind of leader's checks over the weekend. Yeah, I knocked on his door, asked him how he's doing, said, hey, can I come into your room real quick? I was like, hey, what's going on? Like, you know, is your something wrong with your fridge? You know, what's going on? What's that smell? He's like, oh no, my toilet is backed up. And every time I the room next to me flushes their toilet, it overflows. I was like, so your toilet doesn't work at all. He's like, no, 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 it doesn't work at all. I'm like, 
who have you told about this? The answer was no one. You know, this young private was just living like this because he was too afraid to talk to his sergeant about it. You know, I had a conversation with that sergeant. I was like, you need to work on your relationship. If the soldier's not willing to come to you to ask you to solve basic human need, which is a toilet, then what else aren't they going to come to you with? The Nothing. trust and communication between a sergeant and a young soldier is mm. very, very important. It absolutely and is. And earlier when you were talking about asking them these hard questions, right. you're not going to get honest answers or answers if you don't have open lines of communication and you're uh, trustworthy and honest with your soldiers. Being honest is very important. Okay, so how do you build that trust? So you get a new private. How do you build that trust? If you don't push all the information you could possibly push to the lowest soldier, okay, there's going to be a disconnect somewhere. When that disconnect happens, you can go, oh, it wasn't me. Or you can be honest with like, yes, that was me, and I'm going to fix that. So being honest, uh, setting example in just about every aspect will help facilitate the building of trust. Um, in addition to that, Sergeant Major, when you're that person, when you're that leader, that sergeant that's developing those hard questions with your soldiers, you're asking those questions, you're actually genuinely getting to know your soldiers. That's where you start to build the trust. That's okay. where you're starting to build communication. That's where you're starting to build credibility in the eyes of your soldiers. Through time, that's when all that stuff come together and you have that relationship. So Private Burke, my sergeant starts asking me this kind of stuff. You know what I'm going to tell him? Nothing. You know why? I wasn't raised that way. I don't talk about my problems. I sure in the hell ain't going to tell you. My leader, you kidding me? I'm not going to let you in. I'm not going to talk to you about that kind of crap. Not going to happen. So how do you break that down? Let me give you a tip. Transparency. I'm going to talk to you about COVID. Let me tell you about my brother. Okay. Let me tell you about he's one of the very first police officers in Washington state that was put into quarantine because he pulled over somebody that tested positive for COVID. So he's immediately put into quarantine. Then let me fast forward a couple months where my brother, you know, on a routine traffic stop, thought he was going to, you know, get pulled out of his car, you know, because of, uh, you know, a situation that was unfolding with some civil unrest. Sometimes you can break down those walls by sharing yourself and sharing maybe some of the mistakes you've made. And it helps to build that trust. You're not manipulating. You're having a conversation with another human being. And sometimes you just got to take that uh, proverbial top off, you know, set it on the chair you know, so that you can have the conversation free of rank, especially as that sergeant. Because if you're just that sergeant, not a human being, then it's going to be difficult to do that with some individuals. And the amount of things that you will be able to prevent from becoming major problems or having a soldier that just will spiral out of control breaks down to that trust and that respect. And you'll grow on it over time. And you can't expect it right away. It's an investment on both of your parts, mm -hmm. just like any relationship is. Marriage is not easy. Having soldiers is not easy. It takes time and you're going to have your ups and your downs and you're going to, you know, have things that are going to set you back. You know, you're right. both going to make mistakes, but it's important and you got to build it over time. And the other thing, you know, Sergeant Reed, that you kind of talked about when they come to you with a problem, fix it. Yeah. That if you fix a small problem before it gets out of hand, yep. it's not a huge issue. Yep. I had a soldier uh, my first year in 2CR he had not been receiving um, overseas housing allowance for okay. almost 18 months. Jeez. He transferred from his squadron. He really enlisted to stay here so he could be with his wife, who is an acquired dependent. When I immediately found out about this, we need to fix this right now. I brought it up with the chain of command. They were like, all right, go fix it. That soldier left the army with about $36,000. Holy crap. 
See, taking care of soldiers. So when he got, when he acquired his dependent in another squadron, if that young sergeant was like, hey, this is what you need to do with an acquired dependent who lives in Munich, that problem would have not snowballed to where it was that huge. Yep, you gotta see the problems through. It's gonna be a learning process. You know, the reason that, you know, Sergeant First Classes, First Sergeants and Sergeant Majors are able to solve problems sometimes, it seems like out of thin air. They've experienced this. Exactly, yeah. and we've done that. You know, we've had to go through that self-education kind of process. Let's talk about training. So what's, what's kind of your thoughts on training? It doesn't always have to be some big, elaborate bells and whistles, right? Okay. Hit pocket, opportunity training, okay. simple stuff. Hit on the basics and the fundamentals. Okay. Right? So battle drill six type stuff. Do you need to go out to the training area to a shoot house? No, absolutely not. You can go through your cough, troop area, motor pool, practice those same skills and fundamentals. Any other weapon systems, pull them out of the arms room, set them up, run the folks through the drills disassembly, reassembly, so on and so forth. Yeah, it doesn't matter what your MOS is. You can do that kind of hip pocket training at any time. Hey, let me sit down and tell you, you know, what you're looking at in LES. When a, when a soldier comes mm -hmm. in and you're doing a records review or you're doing something like that, you know, here's what you're looking for. The training aspect is an on-the-go thing. You know, I hear all the time is, is uh, sergeant's time training. And uh, what I would say is every day of every moment is sergeant's time training. But if I walk through coughs, what do I see? Exactly. And if you, <laughs> since you can't see what they're doing, they're acting like they're on their phones. That's what they're doing. Hey, Sergeant, right now, Sergeant time training, go grab that saw, give a class or Hey, because we're counting on you to train these soldiers. And if you don't know what to do, there's a plethora of resources that you can go to. If you're a good Sergeant, you have AARs from the last training event that you did. Go refer to those and see what you did not do well. Maybe you personally or your team did not do well. And there you go, right there. That's what you need to train on. Or like for the 42 alphas in the room. Hey, OIP inspection AARs. There Absolutely. you go. All right. That's what we need to focus <laughs> yeah, on. You know, so It doesn't have to be any kind of formal training. For myself, I had a peer of mine uh -huh. who was asking questions about uh, TSP. Once I kind of explained to him a little more about TSP and kind of opened up his eyes, I immediately went to my soldiers and immediately asked them, hey, who knows what the TSP is or has even heard of it? And none of them rose their hand, so immediately broke out some training. I brought up my TSP account. I showed them the charts, the growth plan from the S fund, the G fund, the difference. And that's just kind of some kind of training any NCO could do. Yeah. Um, one thing I was going to kind of say when we talk about the training aspect, and I was sorry, Navy, I was going to ask you to kind of talk about it because uh, it's a very relevant topic is the ESB. You know, how many soldiers, Sergeant Johnson, do you have in, you know, in your section? I have eight. Eight. Seven. How many do you have? 12 man platoon. 12 man platoon. 20. 20. And then? I have six soldiers, two NCOs. Okay. So just every single one of you, imagine that you had five to six soldiers that either had their ESB or for the infantry had your EIBs, what would your element be like? Would it change the, the culture and the climate of that small section? It's gonna change culture altogether. Yeah. Like with, within that section, within your squad, that culture of being that expert soldier, it's mm -hmm. just gonna feed onto the other soldiers, especially new soldiers coming in and they see everyone, if not the majority has that expert soldier badge, they're gonna wanna thrive for that too. They're gonna wanna continue that soldier. They're gonna wanna be you know, as successful as the, their peers. So when we talk about ESB or the EIB, we've talked about a lot of different things. So what I would consider leader attributes, give your soldier something to emulate, be the example, be the standard, lead, inspect, train your soldiers. 
if we were going to give kind of the the one thing, the one thing that a sergeant could do in 2CR to set themselves up for success and to set their soldiers up for success for all these different kind of things that we're talking about, being a good leader, setting the example, inspecting. How many times do you have to inspect your equipment to make sure that you had everything every day for ESB? Constantly. 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 Every yeah, time. right. And then train. If I asked you right now, if I pulled a Mark 19 into this room, you could rock me through load and correct malfunction on yes that. definitely yes and it, it was because of the training um yeah. i didn't just stop with the training that was given throughout the week so the point being is go get your esp yes and you will find that all the things that we're talking about as far as being a sergeant it will set you up for success a three-week investment that'll pay off for the rest of your career and you could also give that to the team, to your soldiers. You could, with the training that you get, you could pass that knowledge along to them. Absolutely. There's a lot of things you can do and you can influence your immediate element by the actions you take and the time that you invest in yourself as a leader. Uh, the self-study, soldiers are, are great at finding uh, someone they think is successful, trying to pick a mentor or someone to emulate. And if I do enough self-study, then I can look at what I'm messing up. I'll say, you know, I can also ask my mentor for a little course correction if I need it. And that would help soldiers uh, looking at me as their platoon sergeant or as their leader to help their course correction just by me uh, carrying myself uh, and holding myself to a standard. The self-study and also self-awareness. Oh, self-awareness. Oh, now it's getting good. Okay, yeah. go ahead. Uh, but the big thing might... My version, my takeaway of that is understanding second and third order effects of your decision and okay. your guiding hand within your element or unit and understand how that affects people down the road. It helps you maintain relevancy and stay current and stay competitive amongst your peers. Okay. Army is a human endeavor. You have to stay competitive and relevant amongst your peers and it helps build your sphere of influence and build your credibility. So that it doesn't seem that you're maybe kind of coming half cocked. So you as a sergeant, Let's say you have a live fire coming up and uh, you're going to be doing whatever battle drill, whatever tactical task you're going to be doing. Now, if you go out there and you haven't done any kind of self-study, you haven't done any homework, what are you relying on as that team leader? You're relying on what you have in your head, right? Now, maybe you've never done that before. You know, So are you going to go out there and you're going to put your best foot forward? Well, maybe not. And if maybe, let's say it's a team live fire. So because of your lack of preparation, your team gets recocked and you have to do the iteration again. And then you get a little bit better. Now, at this point, are you necessarily understanding the tactical task or are you just understanding the motions of that live fire? And as the day goes on, you don't get any better at the actual task. You don't get better as a team leader. You just get better at the lane that you're going through. What's your credibility look like? And, and what are you actually learning and what are you actually teaching? Leaders fail to sit down and do the research themselves and find the information themselves. Get off your Snapchat, get off your Instagram and research your job and find out what am I supposed to do? You know, if you go to TC7-22.7, it'll tell you exactly what you need to do and what your focus areas need to be by rank within the non-commissioned officer corps. Um, because the self-study part, you own a part of your own professional development. Okay. So go back to your, when you first joined the army and your first sergeant, okay, that was in charge of you. Um, I'm not saying you blindly followed him, but for the most part, what he said was pretty much gospel. Absolutely. You didn't know any different. No. If he told you that the army did things this way, that's what you believed. Also, 
if he told you this unit sucks, it's the worst unit in the entire army, what'd you think? That's what you believe. That's what you believe. You didn't know any different, right? That's why the, hey, give me a box full of grid squares, you know, kind of prank. That's why that works. (laughs) Right. They freaking told me, hey, go get a back blast bag for the Carl Gustav. I'm like, roger that. Go to the supply shop. What do you need, private? I need a back blast bag for the Gustav. And everybody starts laughing. Oh, it's up at the top of Noble Hill, you know, which is this huge hill behind the compound that I used to be on. So I go up to the Connex. No back blast bags. And then about halfway back down the hill, I'm like, wait, that doesn't make any sense. I didn't say I was the smartest right. private, but the point kind of being <laughs> is, is that you just don't know any better. Another another thing that, you know, we probably need to talk about is the mentorship piece. So did you have a mentor when you were a young sergeant? I had a mentor when I was a staff sergeant, Sergeant Major. Okay. Sergeant Major Sean Doucette. He basically gave me a course correction he's like, this is where you're heading right now. And this is all everything you need to be successful. And he sat down and reviewed my records with me and talked about uh, additional skill identifiers mm-hmm. that I should have and that I should pursue. It, it worked out. I, I listened to just about everything he said. And uh, I think that I, I am more successful today because he helped me. I, I don't know if I would have got picked up for some first class. Okay. I would say for my mentor, um, he kind of went about it in a more lifestyle kind of way. He sat down with me and basically simply asked me, what is what is what are my goals in life? Do I, is the army a career that I want to take? Or as I was a young soldier, is it just come in, do my job and then get out? Mm-hmm. Um, and that really was a gut check that I had to you know really think about. And once I made this decision to make the army a career, he that's where like yourself so I like he sat me down and said me said all right you want this as a career these are the things that you have to do these are the next steps towards making sergeant and then once I made sergeant he said come back to me and then we're gonna start working on how you could get staff sergeant to this day I still come to him like now I'm going to him to say hi now how do I make my sergeant first class what are the progression steps that I need what have you done so that I could do to be the same that's good how about you, Sergeant Johnson? Sergeant Major, I had a Sergeant First Class Commander. Uh, that was his last name? That was his last name, Sergeant Major. Cool. <laughs> Sergeant First Class Commander. Uh, he was my S1 SUIC. Uh, what he has instilled in me was was purpose mm. and life principles um, that has not only uh, increased or made my characteristics better, but made me a better man. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, that made me a better soldier. I do think that, you know, it's a very important for mentors to provide purpose. All right. How about you, Damien? So, Sergeant Major, not a specific mentor, but several old platoon sergeants, first sergeants mm-hmm. that regularly reach out to and get their feedback. Uh, one thing that really worked out well for me by happenstance, I worked at an NCO Academy as an instructor. And so that really opened my eyes to the doctrine behind, you know, career management, career paths, right. the, the DA PAMs, the career maps, getting to be able to see that different side of things and really not the formula, but a way forward. So, you know, I've obviously talked about my mentor in quite a few of the podcasts, but, you know, I do credit, you know, uh, you know, Staff Sergeant Wheeler, came Master Sergeant Wheeler, keeping me in the Army. I was ready to get out of the Army. And, uh, you know, he showed me, like you talked about Sergeant Johnson, not only showed me about leadership, but he showed me, you know, what it meant to be a, a husband. Uh, what it meant to be a father. And then he also really provided me with a purpose too. Like, hey, listen, man, you're a war fighter. You know, and that really was a pivotal point in my career. So now here's, you know, the question that a, a sergeant that's listening to this podcast 
how do you find a mentor? Maybe your staff sergeant's not really interested in the mentorship and the development of you. It's a two-way street. The mentee has to agree to it and the mentor has to agree to it. Um, I, I would look for qualities that okay. I would want uh, in myself if I didn't have them or that I, I was looking for qualities that I wanted to uh, instill in myself or something like that. And someone that is, is a good leader and is a good person. You know, social media is a big platform of influences. Okay. Um, in the AG world, we have an HR mentorship forum on there. And for soldiers that's looking for mentors, they get on there and they request. And we also have mentees or mentors on there that's readily available to mentor those soldiers. That's okay. So that's definitely like a formal means. Okay. Roger. The other thing that I would offer up, and, and Sergeant Reed kind of talked about this, and, you know, Sergeant Johnson, I think you, it's also kind of on you. Sometimes a mentor, you know, might come into your life if you're just kind of existing, if you're just, you know, kind of being mediocre. But most of the time, what it actually is, and I can speak about this, you know, for being a senior NCO now for, you know, quite a while, is it's that individual, that leader that is trying, they're just not doing it right. You know, they're they're just not approaching things in the right way. And yes, okay, maybe one person can look at it and go, well, that guy's just loves conflict or that guy's just, you know, being a drama queen or something like that. Or another way that they might look at it is go, he has all the passion in the world. It's just misguided, right. you know, and they just, he, they don't know how to channel it. So the point being is, is that if you're looking for a mentor, you need to be being a leader and you need to be putting yourself in difficult positions and you need to be trying to go up and beyond. And then somebody will step down if they see that you're doing it the wrong way and say, "Hey, let me talk to you about this, man." Okay, you're tr you, you know, you're trying to get these guys motivated, you're probably maybe trying to provide them direction and purpose, but the way you're going about it is not working because part of being mentored is being very very humble because a mentor is not going to tell you what you want to hear all the time. They're going to tell you things that you're going to be mad about. You're going to be angry. If they're a good mentor, quite frankly, they're going to tell you things that are just going to piss you off. But then you're going to go, okay, that's probably what I need to hear. And I need to, you know, I need to unpack this and I need to kind of think about it. So I think that's kind of an important part of it as well. Well, jumping back towards uh, mentorship. Yeah. The way I kind of found mine is I kind of forced them into being a mentor. I, okay. I, I was, I was a hungry like okay. I wanted to like learn. you didn't get enough chow. <laughs> Just kidding. No, I was looking for information and for um to become that leader. I was I was wanting to be successful. That I found the subject matter expert in my field. Okay, and I just kept asking him and asking him question oh, after question. Okay, and he realized that my passion and my my hunger for trying to be successful and for myself to be a subject matter expert, he became a mentor towards me and he realized that I wanted to be him and I wanted to be that, that that's how we kind of formed that bond that mentor mentoree bond so you just annoyed the crap out of him until I did I it. did until no, he came I mean, in and that was it okay yeah. all right so let's shift gears here a little bit let's get off the mentorship piece so when we talk about standards NCOs that is our responsibility you set the standards by personal examples then you enforce the standards. So you as an NCO, whether you disagree or like the standard is irrelevant. Your job's to enforce it. And if you feel adamantly about it, then you need to do something to suggest to the, you know, the, the leadership to change the standard if you just don't think it's right. As long as the standard, which there is no standards that violate anything ethically or morally, then it's your job to enforce it. And a lot of times when I do make spot corrections, which I try to do in a very, very nonchalant way, 
do you know who I see violating the standard? It's usually the sergeants and the staff sergeants. It's almost always. It's actually not very often that it's a private. And if it is a private, you know who's on their left and their right? Sergeants. Sergeants. Exactly. And if you're a sergeant and you don't uphold the standard, then how are you possibly going to hold anybody accountable? I, I got a little something on that. Story. All right, please, please. So it was something that stuck with me that was explained to me by uh, one of the fellow NCOs I worked with a while ago, interpretation of standards. He took a marker on a dry erase board and wrote the word standards three times. Okay. The first time he wrote it, it was in all capital letters. The second time he wrote it, all lowercase. The third time he wrote it, just one capital letter out of all of them. So what he was, the point he was getting at and what he was explaining was we always have the standard, the Army standard, Dragoon standards book, but written three different ways and three different text types. The interpreta- He was getting at the interpretation of those standards and how things can get muddled over time or the telephone game comes into play. Okay. I like that. That's pretty good. You're exactly right. And if you allow it, allow it to water it down, you allow it to be watered down, then you're just perpetuating it. And you know, it goes into another discussion. And Sergeant Major Yadis, who used to be 4-2 Sergeant Major, he used to say this all the time. Whatever you tolerate, you perpetuate. So if you allow your soldiers to not follow the standards, then you're basically, especially as that sergeant, you're signifying that that's okay. Yeah, it gives them the ability to say exactly. that the standard is an option when it's, it's, it's clearly not. It's right. not. And knowing the standard and ha- uh, holding yourself to the standard and your soldiers to the standard is probably the very first step of being a sergeant. If you have a discipline formation as a sergeant, as a, if your little fire team or whatever you have, your little section of four or five people, if you instill discipline in them, You'll be amazed at the other things that will take care of themselves. Yeah. A lack of discipline is where the old saying, you'll spend 90% of your time on 10% of your soldiers instead of the other way around. I believe that's a choice. You know, I've heard that said before, you know, that you'll spend 90% of your time on 10% of your population. That is a choice. And it comes back into two two things. One, install discipline in your formation. And two, if you allow it to encompass your life, then it will absolutely be the the primary focus. But if you just focus on you know, continuing to develop good human beings and good, you know, future NCOs, um, then, you, then, you know, it reverses that kind of paradigm. All right. So let's shift gears here. Okay. And I'll answer it first so that I can give everybody kind of time to think. What is the one thing that you wish you had done better as a sergeant that became a hard lesson later in life? So for me, as a young sergeant, for the organization that I grew up in, you were around each other, not only all the time, but you grew up together. So people that I grew up with as privates, and then I got my ranger tab and I became a sergeant, you know, one of my team members, he was failing to uphold a standard because he was my friend and I was his team leader. I let it drag on way longer than I should have. I wasn't holding him to that standard. My leadership was put into question because when it was finally discovered that he couldn't uphold this standard, hey, should Burke really be a sergeant? Because he's not holding the members of his team accountable to the standard. And it was a very, very important lesson for me as I was standing on the SAR Major's red carpet, so to speak. There's a standard for a reason. You have to first be able to set the standard yourself, but then hold the other members of your team accountable to that standard. And if they're failing it, then you have to take active approach to help them rectify that. As a sergeant, Ashley went through a divorce uh, on my second deployment to Iraq and lost purpose. So I put all the purpose in my soldiers. 
Mm. So everything I did, all all the the relationship development, everything we're talking about, I did all that to a point where I forgot about myself and I wasn't taking care of me. So I got to some type of threshold or milestone where I realized, hey, I got to look out for myself. I got to take care of me. And that that's the biggest thing I can look back on and say, like, I should have did differently. I should have still taken care of myself. Well, I mean, it goes into that you're, you know, you talk about being a sergeant, but, you know, you're a sergeant 24-7. Your, your young soldiers are going to emulate you. They know way more than you think they know. Right. That's you true. know, they do. Uh, but soldiers are going to do twice what you do wrong and half of what you do right. You know, so that's why you got to make sure that you're doing the right thing. But when you talk about this, you know, your life work balance was off. And, uh, you know, there was soldiers that probably emulated that. All right. Anybody else? Me as a young, brand new sergeant. I felt like I had to prove something. I okay. was that sergeant who was yelling all the time. The oh, one who okay. was making all the corrections to where <clears throat> the guys who I was peers with now, now that I'm their NCO, and animosity started to build. They would not open up to me when it came to serious events. A hard lesson I had to learn was to humble myself, to realize that I needed to take a step back, self-evaluate me, and to really understand that I need to really start thinking about my soldiers, start mm. thinking about their aspects in their lives, mm -hmm. not just my progression. Yeah, you getting promoted. Me getting promoted, yes. Okay. I had to take that step back to reevaluate myself to be a better leader. And yep. it took me some time. If you're being that kind of leader, your soldiers are going to see that. Well, Sergeant Major, I got one. Like with mistakes, mm. I feel like mistakes build experience. Yeah, absolutely. And once you learn from that, experience builds effectiveness. All right, you just got to be able to have the cognitive ability to realize what you're doing and what happened yep. and carry that forward. Something I learned, I learned the hard way, the value of PCCs and PCIs. Oh, here we go. All right. <laughs> so when I was with the 10th Mountain at Fort Drum, set in a patrol base, you know, get the gun set in, get security, all that good stuff. I shortchanged my PCCs and PCIs. Didn't check to make sure my team had the range cards. Uh-oh. So I was that brand new E5 out there, turned in my range cards on good old-fashioned writing rain paper. That was cool for about five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and then I uh, had my PL, my platoon sergeant squad leader at the time, let me know. Let's call it a stern talking to. Learned definitely a huge learning point there, the value of PCCs, PCIs. Checking, double checking, you know, not only checking your soldier stuff, but let them check your stuff yes absolutely right i check you check we check long story short still this day still carry a range card in my kit <laughs> <laughs> it's not right on the rain no okay. no certified range card <laughs> certified range card no i like the you know check you know we check each other you know it's absolutely. about you know that's part of uh you know creating a culture of accountability it helps you if they're willing to say hey you're doing this wrong Okay, so what advice would you give to an aspiring specialist that wants to become an NCO? You need to act like an NCO before you're an NCO. Um, and you need to understand what it means to be an NCO. You know, we talked about, yeah, you're a soldier 24-7, seven days a week, 365. Uh, but, but it's different when you become a non-commissioned officer. You're responsible. Mm. You're responsible for the health, welfare, and the safety of your soldiers. Um, and you can be held accountable to that and your failure to do so. And it's something I wish somebody had done for me. Reach out, you know, to maybe people in your chain of command and start to formulate what kind of NCO you want to become to start figuring that out and answering that question. Um, and you need to start practicing it now because you need to start acting that way because you don't, you don't just start acting that way because now you have the sergeant rank. Mm -hmm. 
you know, you, you start acting like that before. Spend some time thinking about that and be that self-study, that self-development person uh, that really kind of invests the time before you don that rank and you put those stripes on so you can be the best NCO. And the metric you can use to hold yourself accountable is when I was a young private, what kind of sergeant would I have wanted? And if you think about it that way, you're going to hold yourself pretty accountable and you're going to think of things from a different light. Hey, I'm about to do this. If I was a private, would I want my sergeant doing this? And if the answer is no, well, there you go. There's your navigational beacon, so to speak. Advice that I would offer to a young specialist going to be a sergeant is take care of your soldiers and their family. Because if you do that, your soldiers will take care of you. Absolutely. Be proficient at your MOS or duty. Stay, stay on top of any issue that your soldier has and help them solve it. Maintain and know how to use all of your equipment, TA-50 or BII, and be able to teach somebody how to do that. Because not everybody knows how to change a tire, and strikers have eight of them. Um, in addition to Sergeant Reed, I actually like that. I like the saying of take care of soldiers, your soldiers take care of you. Mm -hmm. um, throughout my time being a non-commissioned officer, I realized that you're going to get respect for the rank that you have on your chest. Mm -hmm. But when you're doing the right things, you're, you're developing that relationship we talked about prior. Um, you're communicating, you're building that trust. The soldier's performance will increase. Mm -hmm. They'll go above and beyond based on the respect that they have for you as a person, just because you're genuine care for those soldiers. You earn that respect over time. In a combat situation, it's going to be about the trust and respect you have for each other. Rank be damned. All right. Anybody else? Yeah. Hey, Sergeant Major. Um, so we touched on it a little bit earlier, but everyone comes from different walks of life. It's Absolutely. Being that leader that you wish you had, right? Because soldiers are going to recognize your shortcomings before you ever will. You got to take that, carry that forward but also be able to reflect on that. Where were some of those short uh, shortcomings or gaps in the process, right? And how can I fix that and improve upon it down the road? All right, A.B. All right, I'll finish it up then. Um, you don't be a leader when you put on the stripes. It starts right now as a specialist. Nice. All eyes are going to be on you 24-7. Mm. So be that example. Mm -hmm. Get that expert soldier badge. Go compete for Soldier of the Year, NCO of the Year. Go to the boards. Be something that your soldiers want to look up to. That would be probably the best advice I could give to a special right now is it doesn't start when you put on stripes. It starts before. It starts right now. That was awesome. All right. So first, let me just say thank you guys. Hopefully a lot of sergeants listen to this and it helps them in some way. So let me kind of give you my closing thoughts. What we need our sergeants doing and what we need to help them do, because this just isn't for sergeants. We need to prepare ourselves to be the NCOs that we would want, and we need to take ownership. You are responsible, not just now, but for many, many years to come for these soldiers that you are developing. And you have to have this kind of mind frame, and it's, it's kind of this infinite mind frame. They're going to go off, and they're going to serve in other parts of the Army. You're going to go off and serve the other parts of the Army. But you, what you train them on or failed to train them on will be the result in the life and death of people that you will never meet. In another conflict that might happen 10 years from now, because these specialists, these young privates, they will become the next non-commissioned officers and staff sergeants and SARM first classes. And you're a part of that journey. And you need to take that extremely seriously. And you have to treat this like a profession. You're responsible for the soldiers that you lead all the time. And you have to have that kind of mind frame. Truly develop your soldiers. And if you invest in yourself as a non-commissioned officer and you invest in your soldiers, then there's nothing that your team and this army will not be able to accomplish. 
This should do good in seven, signing off the net. Bye.